I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, I, I, I love kind of digging into the story and, and just exploring in further detail what's described for us in Scripture around the events connected with the birth of Jesus. And I love focusing in for, as one particular aspect on the shepherds. And their response to what happened. We read that they returned, they glorified, and they praised God for all these things that they had heard and they had seen, which were just as they had been told. So it's what the shepherds heard, but also what they saw that resulted in them glorifying and praising God. So this morning, just in the the moments we have left, I want to explore together what it was that the angels heard and what it was that they saw and how those things resulted in this spontaneous expression of emotion from these shepherds. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, grew up in a, in a rural kind of context. I spent a bit of time on the Chatham Islands. My mum still lives over there on a farm. One thing that I've come to learn and appreciate about farmers over the years is that they don't tend to be effusive in their emotional responses to different situations, particularly in a Kiwi context, shepherds, farmers, uh, she'll be right, kind of blokes, generally speaking, right? Right, mate, yeah, story, yeah, that's it, absolutely, hey, Murray, yep, bang on, Murray was a farmer, he knows where it's at, and so I, I think, I find it quite amazing that these shepherds who were just doing their shepherd stuff, they were there watching their flocks by night, as the carols remind us, Something happened that resulted in these very salt-of-the-earth men getting really, really excited. And I think that's significant in itself. For farmer-type blokes to get really, really excited about something that's not rugby, racing, or beer is quite something. Quite something. So what was it about the angel's message that provoked such a response? Firstly, I think it was the angel's message to the shepherds that points them and points us to the wonder of the Christmas story. There's three distinct names or terms that the angels use to describe Jesus, this baby who had just been born. Firstly, they referred to Jesus as the Savior, the one who alone can rescue mankind from its predicament of sin, misery, and mortality and bring the blessings which will meet all possible needs of people. 
Savior is one. Secondly, Christ. This is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah. And both terms mean the anointed one, the chosen one of God. Jesus took on God's role of Savior because he is the one whom God had authorized and empowered to carry out the work of salvation. But more than just being the Savior and the anointed one, the third term of reference used to describe Jesus by the angels is the staggering one, and it's simply Lord. It's a staggering term because already in little more than a chapter in his gospel, Luke has used this word almost 20 times as the regular title for the God of Israel himself. So why did the shepherds get so excited about what the, uh, what the angels were declaring to them? Part of the reason is that they weren't just declaring that God had sent a chosen one. God hadn't just anointed somebody to do his work and further his purposes. It was the beautiful truth of Christmas that God himself had come to do what needed to be done, to restore all of creation, to seek and to save those who were lost. And all this is focused in on Jesus. Jesus as God coming in the flesh. God himself stepping down from his throne of glory, stepping into human history to right wrongs, to heal hurts, to ultimately take upon himself the penalty of sin and death, to break its power once and for all. The miracle of Christmas is that God did not just send somebody to come and fulfill his purposes. It's that he came himself in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a work environment or a family kind of situation where something needs to happen and you don't really want to do it. So what you kind of respond with is you go, ah, oh, needs to be done, but send someone else to do it. Or give that to the, the intern. <laughs> send someone else to do it. When something needs to be done, but we don't really consider it a high priority ourselves, we'd very happily send someone else to do the job. But the flip side is, is that when something needs to be done that is of such great importance, Sending someone else to do the job just isn't good enough. I remember when, when our two boys were born, it wasn't an option for me just to send someone else to the hospital. <laughs> and that would have been frowned upon by many people, not least of all my wife. But it clearly was not even an option for me as, as a dad. It wasn't like, oh, I'm actually going to sit at home and watch some cricket. Um, I'll just get someone else to go and take care of the fatherly stuff. Now, when we love, when we care deeply, sending someone else is not even an option. We clearly want to be there ourselves, no matter what the challenges are that need to be faced. The wonder of the Christmas story and the beauty of it is that it reveals to us so powerfully the love of God who cared so deeply about the plight of all of creation that he would not just send someone else to fix it, but that he would come himself in the flesh in the form of Jesus Christ the Son. The angel's message to the shepherds points us to the wonder of the Christmas story. Secondly, the angel's message to the shepherds shows that Jesus came for all people, not just the elite in society. Hmm. I was reading through a great book recently again, which I, I always kind of come back to in the lead up to Christmas. It's called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by a man called Kenneth Bailey. 
served in the Middle East for a number of years as a missionary. And he wrote this. He says, in Luke 2, 8 to 14, the first people to hear the message of the birth of Jesus were a group of shepherds who were close to the bottom of the social scale in their society. From their point of view, from these shepherds' point of view, if the child was truly the Messiah, the parents would probably reject the shepherds if they tried to visit him. How could lowly shepherds be convinced to expect a welcome? The angels anticipated this anxiety and told the shepherds that they would find the baby wrapped, which was what peasants like themselves did with their newborn children. Furthermore, they were told that he was lying in a manger. That is, that they would find the Christ, the Son of God himself, in an ordinary peasant home such as their own not in a governor's mansion or in a wealthy merchant's guest room, but in a simple two-room home like their own. And this was really good news to the shepherds because they were used to kind of being told, unclean shepherds, be gone, you filthy scoundrels. That kind of thing was the standard response to shepherds turning up. But what the angel declared to them about Jesus, the setting of it, and the events surrounding it, it reassured these shepherds, low as they were on the social scale, that this Jesus, this anointed one, God himself had not just come for the elite, but had come for them, though they were at the lowest rungs of the social ladder at the time. The child, Jesus, was born for the likes of shepherds, the poor, the lowly, and the rejected, not just the elite. The elite are not left out of it, Later on, we read about the wise men coming, and they come laden with their expensive gifts of myrrh and gold and frankincense. And the picture that's built up in the Gospels is that Jesus comes for everyone. Everyone. Where we live in a world where special things tend to happen for special people, but not for ordinary people. Jesus comes, the greatest gift ever given, is for all humankind. Hmm. <laughs> I've been obviously watching a lot of the Football World Cup lately. It's final tomorrow morning, 4 o'clock. It's all over. Whew. But I, I was thinking this week, um, as I was watching one of the games, I thought, man, imagine if Jesus had been born in Qatar in 2022 at this time. Our world, because like, again, when you're watching the games of this Football World Cup, the cameras pan to all the heads of state who are there watching these games and the, the celebrities and the former players who are just multi-millionaires. They're all in the, the box seats watching and they, the cameras love to show them having a great time and all that. But if Jesus was to come in 2022 in Qatar, would he just come for the celebrities, for the multi-millionaires, for the heads of state? If it was Qatar, he would come for the migrant workers upon whose backs those stadiums have been built and who have suffered greatly to enable this big performance to go on the world stage. Those who are often overlooked, those who don't have as many rights or privileges in the eyes of the world, these are the people that Jesus comes for as much as anyone else. The shepherds got excited about that. The angel's message to the shepherds points us to the wonder of the Christmas story. It shows us that Jesus came for all people, not just the elite, the special in society. 
And lastly, the angel's message to the shepherds encourages us to rejoice in God's promises, though they are in their infancy. I don't know about you, but I often find it hard to get excited about God's promises until they actually come to pass. Like when they actually happen, like that's exciting. We go, yes, God, I always knew you could do it. But really, I didn't. (laughs) When I was still waiting, I'm there going, God, I know you've kind of said this, but I don't know if you can actually do this. I don't tend to get very excited when a promise still seems in its infancy, when it hasn't developed, when it hasn't, when God hasn't kind of given birth to the fulfillment of it for me to see and for us to experience. But the shepherds got excited about God fulfilling a promise, even though the fulfillment was very much in its literal infancy in the form of baby Jesus lying in that manger. Sure, the shepherds had an angelic host delivering the message to them, but when they came to Jesus himself, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, the reality was that he had a lot of growing to do. (laughs) Didn't he? Before he could accomplish the purposes of God for his life, he had to grow. There was a process of time that had to pass. Yet still, the shepherds rejoiced in what God had begun in fulfillment of his promises. And my encouragement to you this Christmas is that whatever promises of God you are holding on to, no matter how far away they seem, no matter if it feels like the promise is still very much even even in an embryonic stage, it's still a promise from God. And scripture declares that what he has begun, he is faithful to complete it. And so like the shepherds, let's not put off rejoicing in the fulfillment of God's promises until it's all fully grown. Let's be a people who know that God is faithful and that when he speaks a word, and even though it still seems like there's such a long journey to walk, because God has spoken it, he is faithful to do it. Romans 4, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. See, without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is who God is. And this being the truth of God's character, it means that when God speaks a promise to us, when he places within our hearts a sense of how our lives or our families or the situations that we're in can look so much different, that God has a plan and a purpose that is far different to what we're currently experiencing, it means that we can rejoice in the promise even as we continue to wait for it to reach its fulfillment. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would touch your heart again this Christmas season so that no matter what challenges you are facing, we together would be a people who are fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. We rejoice in the birth of Jesus, our Savior, wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, who would go on to lay down his life and rise from the dead after three days, victorious as King of kings and Lord of lords. We, we are a people who rejoice in what God is doing while we continue to wait 
for the promise to be fulfilled. When the shepherds saw baby Jesus lying in the manger, they didn't question the promise of God because of what they saw right in front of them. They, like Abraham, remained fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. They didn't rock up there and go, oh, we're going to see the Messiah, the Lord himself. This is going to be cool. Oh, it's a baby. It's a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it? No, there was no sense of that. They were, they were rejoicing. They were excited when they saw this child. Though the promise was still in its infancy, they rejoiced. Let's likewise rejoice in what God is faithful to complete in our lives for his glory. So the story wraps up and we read that the shepherds hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's be a people who likewise allow the excitement of the Christmas season to touch our hearts again. And who knows what opportunities there might be for each of us this Christmas season to share something about the birth of our Savior with others who maybe have never heard the name of Jesus, who never understood the significance of this time of year. I pray that the Spirit of God would give us courage and wisdom to embrace opportunities and give us words to speak that we might share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the Messiah the anointed one, God himself come in the flesh. Church, why don't you stand with me and let's pray together this morning. <laughs> it's good news that Jesus didn't just come for the elite of society, right? Because otherwise we'd probably all miss out. <laughs> but he came for just people like you and I. And he came for all. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the greatest gift that has ever been given. The gift, Lord, of your Son. This Christmas season, Lord God, we ask you to come by your Holy Spirit and reveal a fresh dimension of truth to our hearts. That like these humble shepherds, we would be a people who would be amazed, Lord, at what you have done and what you are continuing to do in our midst at this time. We thank you that you've come for ordinary people like us. You've come for everyone, Jesus, and it's your heart that everyone would know you as you truly are. This Christmas season, whatever opportunities there are for us to share something of your love, your hope, and your goodness with our friends and our family, God, would you give us courage? Would you give us the words to speak that we would shine your light into dark places? We would know what it is to be carriers of hope. And Lord, may we be encouraged by the Christmas story to recognize again that even while promises remain in their infancy, when you have begun a work, Lord, you are faithful to complete it. May we not put off rejoicing in your goodness until the promise has fully been fulfilled. By your spirit, would you enable us to remain fully persuaded in our hearts 
that you have the power to do what you have promised. And as we continue to hold on, as we continue to trust in you, mighty God, would you encourage our hearts with the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born an infant in a manger, who would grow to change the course of human history to further the purposes of God. So Lord, we love you. We thank you that we love you because you have first loved us. And this morning, we just give ourselves afresh to you in gratitude for all that you have done for us, for all that you are doing, and for all that you will continue to do as we walk with you moving forward. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.